You're listening to the Embrace Church podcast. You're about to hear a message recorded from a live service here in South Dakota. Wherever you're at today, we hope this message encourages you to take a step towards Jesus. Let's jump in. Around 19 years ago, my girlfriend and I, who would end up becoming my wife, we headed out to Chicago to visit some of her friends that lived out there. And one of the days we spent the day kind of just touring downtown Chicago. We went to the Sears Tower, we ate a slice of Chicago pizza, and we went to see that like shiny blob thing. You know what I'm talking about? Still don't know what that thing is, but it was pretty, it was pretty cool. And then in the afternoon, one of her friends said, hey, let's go to the Chicago Art Institute. They have free admission today. I was a poor college kid. All I heard was free. It's like free, I'm for. Everything else that spends, costs money, not so much. So something you need to know, uh, know about me before this, though, is I'm a small-town farm kid. Like, I know a lot more about barns and pigs than Van Goghs and Mona Lisas. The only art that I can remember being in our house is the stuff I made in kindergarten that my mom hung on the fridge. Like, I don't know that I had ever even really looked at real art before in my life. So we head to this art institute, and we were looking at, like, painting after painting after painting, and I looked down, I'm like, it's got to have been a day since we've been in here, right? Like, it's been like 15 minutes. I'm like, this is the most boring place in the entire world. I mean, the paintings look nice, they were cute, and I'm sure the artists really gave their A effort. But man, once you've seen one painting, you've seen every painting. Am I right? Like, once you've seen one, you've seen them all. But about that time, I saw a group of people huddled around one of these paintings, and in the middle of the group was a lady And this lady was talking to the group. I'd find out later that she's an art curator. And so she is explaining the painting to this group of people. So I get in that circle, and she starts talking about all the colors and what they meant. She talks about their facial expressions and what those would mean. Then she talked about the setting of the painting and when it was made and how that reflects the time in which it was created. And then she would point out these little things that I would have never seen. Like you could have sat me in front of that painting for a million years and I would never have saw those things. I sat there for about 10, 15 minutes listening to this art curator explain this painting to me. And I was floored. I had no idea there was that much going on. I mean, this was more than a painting. It was a message. It was a message that wasn't being shared with words and phrases, but with brushstrokes and colors. And as I sat in front of that piece with that group of people, I realized, man, I'm standing in front of a masterpiece. My name is Travis. I'm one of the pastors here at Embrace, and today we are starting a new series called Masterpiece. We're going to be looking at five different paintings throughout this series, and we're just going to try to dive in and see what is the deeper meaning of this painting. What is the message that we can take from this? And hopefully we'll learn more about ourselves, we'll learn more about our faith, and we'll learn more about what it looks like to follow Jesus. Today, we are going to be looking at the masterpiece called The Creation of Adam. 
The creation of Adam is one of the most famous paintings of all time, like in all of history. It is like truly a masterpiece. It was uh, painted by one of the most famous painters of all time, a guy named Michelangelo. Now, I'm a product of being a child in the 90s, so my first introduction to Michelangelo was as a hero in a half shell, not as an exquisite artist, like Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, heroes in a half shell. Come on, come on. There we go. Turtle power. They're the most. I just want to keep going with the song. It's so, I get get so excited about it. But Michelangelo, he was known as a sculptor more than a painter. He painted some of these amazing sculptors. The Pieta, which is Mary holding Jesus. Moses, he sculpted Moses. And then, this one you might know, it's in a downtown Sioux Falls park. The sculpture of David. We only have it waist up for very reasons you might know. <laughs> well, in 1508, uh, Pope Julius II, he commissioned Michelangelo to paint the ceiling of his personal sanctuary. To paint the ceiling of the Pope's personal sanctuary, and it was called, maybe you heard of it before, the Sistine Chapel. And so the Pope wanted Michelangelo to paint the 12 disciples on the ceiling, but Michelangelo thought that was a little boring. And so he said, can I paint the creation story instead? So the Pope let him do that. They were a little nervous because once again, Michelangelo was a sculptor, not a painter. And so they weren't quite sure if he would be able to do a great job on it. But five years later, was standing on scaffolding with his neck crinked to the ceiling, he would draw this masterpiece. Isn't that unbelievable? And right in the middle of that ceiling is the creation of Adam. Creation of Adam. I'm guessing many of you have seen this painting before. If you haven't, you've maybe seen just the hands before. Uh, This painting is like been used by popular culture like crazy. In movies, like have you ever heard of E.T.? You know, E.T., phone home, the fingers are touching. You just put that together right now. You had no idea that's where that came from. It's been memed to death. Like there's this Marvel meme. It's like creating Iron Man. There's a Shrek meme. Donkey, I don't know why Donkey's just, he's just buffing that uh, picture. And then we got Facebook. I have no idea what that one means, but I mean, there's memes all over the place. But even more than popular culture, still today, 25,000 people a day, a day visit the Sistine Chapel in Vatican City to gaze at this masterpiece. But why? Why has this painting captured the hearts and the imaginations of millions? And even more than that, what kind of message are these colors and these brushstrokes trying to show us? Well, let's take a look at this painting and let's see what's in there. Over here on the left side is this really hunky, muscular man. That's kind of what I look like in the mirror. Lots of biceps, pecs, abs. Uh, for days. But Adam, he kind of looks like he's just woken up, you know, just like a typical man just getting up from a nap. Um, Or maybe he's woken up for the first time. And then over here, 
You have this figure, like this another strong figure. He's reaching out. He's got big forearms and biceps. He's got this flowing gray beard. If I could grow a beard, I imagine it would look like that. And he's reaching out. And, and Adam seems a little bit out of it, but, but this character right here, who's, who's God, right? He doesn't seem out of it at all. His eyes are intensely focused in on Adam. Then there's all these people around God. We're not going to get into that too much uh, today, but a lot of people think that those are the angels, except for the one around God's uh, arm. This is kind of cool. If you look at that, she is the only one that's looking over to Adam. A lot of people think that that's Eve, and like God's about ready to deliver Eve over to uh, Adam. But what I want to focus on most is what's happening in the center of this painting. There's two actions that are happening in the center of this painting. The first action is this. God is reaching out to Adam. The second one is this. Adam is reaching out to God. God is reaching out to Adam, and Adam is reaching out to God. And right there in the middle, it's like the moment. It's like right before that they're going to touch. Now, touching is powerful, right? Touching signifies connection. I mean, think of the first time you maybe held hands with your, your spouse, your husband, or your wife, and the electricity that you felt when you held hands for the first time. Or think of when you had your, maybe your first child, and, and they touched your hand for the first time, and they, they wrapped their hand around your finger, and you're like, man, I never knew that I could love like this. Or think about when you hold hands, or when you, sorry, when you shake hands with someone, you want to, in order to be friendly, in order to greet someone, we touch their hands, which sounds a little weird when I say it like that, that we touch their hands. But, but touching is powerful. It signifies a special connection. And Michelangelo knew this, and that's why he's saying we're in the moment right here before God touches Adam, and we're, we're to imagine what's going to happen. Like, what happens when God, the creator of the universe, touches Adam? What happens when Adam touches the eternal God with his finger? So like I said, there's two things happening here. God is reaching out to Adam, and Adam is reaching out to God. Let's take a look at the first. God reaching out to Adam. I want to zoom in into this this part and This really is signified in the Bible in the book of Genesis. Genesis chapter 1 and 2, and this is what it says. God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them, male and female, he created them. Then the Lord God formed a man from the dust of the ground. So man is is formed Like God takes the dust and he forms Adam from the ground. Now this is really cool. It's a little nerdy, but just stick stick with me here for a second. The word for man in the Hebrew is Adam. And the word for ground or the earth is Adama. So they're, they're basically the same word, right? It's like, so God says man is formed from the dust and literally the word, the Hebrew word for man comes from the word for ground. We, us Adams, were formed from the Adama, the dirt. Like God came and he formed us into beings. Now, I always thought that this was just kind of metaphorical. It's like, oh, that's a cool idea, like us being formed from the dirt. But this is like literally true, right? 
You and I are literally made of dirt. Have you ever thought about this before? What do you eat? You eat things that are made in the dirt, or you eat animals that eat things that are made from the dirt. Like your body is composed of dirt stuff. So the next time someone, some jerk calls you dirt, just say, thank you for the accurate analysis of my body composition. You know, you are made, see if that goes over well. You are made of dirt. But we know there's something more, right? We know that there's something more than us being made from dirt, and that's why we need the rest of the verse. The Lord God formed a man from the dust of the ground, and he breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. And the man became a living being. So God, he he forms us from the dust of the ground. We are made from the dirt, but then something miraculous happens. He breathes into us and we become, Adam becomes a living being, like alive for the first time. And we kind of get this from this painting. Like Adam, he sort of looks out of it. Like he's not there. He's just waiting for God to touch him, to breathe into him, to give him life, to give him the spark of heaven in his body. Unfortunately, our modern society has told us that we are only made from the dirt, right? Like that we are just merely like intelligent apes. Now, I'm not making a comment about how God did all this stuff. Like it said, he made us from the dust. But we all know, like if you push to shove, everybody knows that we are more than animals. We are more than apes. We have the spark of God in us. We think, we love, we long, we laugh, we wonder, we cry, we create, we dream, we hope. We do all these things that no animal ever does. We might be made of the stuff of earth, but we have in us the spark of heaven. We might be made of the stuff of earth, like that's how God made us, but we are so much more than that. We have the spark of heaven as well. Now, when you understand this, like when you believe this in your core, you will begin to understand that you have infinite worth. You might not be the smartest, who cares? You have the spark of God in you. You might not be the prettiest, who cares? You have the image of God in you. You might not be the most creative, the most successful. You might feel unlovable. You might not feel valuable. You might have been treated like dirt your whole life. Well, you are made of the dirt, but you are more than the dirt. God has breathed into you. He has given you the spark of life. And because of that, you are infinitely valuable. This is so much different than what the world called self-esteem. Like we hear about self-esteem all the time. Like, I'm good enough, I'm smart enough, and gosh darn it, people like me. You know that whole thing? Like, that is something we create in us. This is something that is given to us by the creator. Self-esteem is something you create in us, and it'll never be enough. I'm just telling you, it'll never be enough. 
What will be enough is knowing that you were created with the spark of heaven in you and you have infinite worth because of that. The other thing that it'll do, it'll show you that not only that you, do you have infinite worth, but others have infinite worth as well. There is nothing, and I believe there is nothing worse we can do in human beings than deem something invaluable that God has said is valuable. There's nothing worse that we can do than try to snuff out the spark of God that, that God has lit in someone else's life. We should never judge people because they think different than us, act different than us, look different than us, vote different than us. We should never make fun of others. We should never bully others. We should never harass others because just like us, these others have been made in the image of God. They have the spark of heaven in them. They have infinite worth. We might be made of the stuff of earth, but we have in us the spark of heaven. That's God reaching out to us. Let's move on to the second part of the painting. And this is, the second action is Adam reaching to God. So Adam, he's, he's kind of sitting on a hill. He has his arm on his knee and he's sort of pointing out into the sky. And you have to kind of imagine that God's not there. He's kind of pointing out to the sky. The sky has such a significance to us. Uh, the other day, my, my three-year-old son, we had one of those storms just kind of pop up out of nowhere, and he opened the window, and he was just staring out at the thunder. I mean, I think he was afraid, and I think he was intrigued. But human beings, we always do this. We're always looking to the sky, right? Humans have always, since the beginning of time, looked to the sky to watch the sunrise and the sunset, to watch the stars dance across the night sky, to watch clouds form and transform. They've looked up to the sky and they've just been in awe of how big it is from left to right and who knows how high it goes. The sky is the things that are above us. They're the things that give us awe and wonder. It's even the things that we question and we don't understand. So Adam's finger is pointing out into the sky. Why? Because that's what we do as humans. We look to the sky. We are seeking things above us. We are seeking things that transcend us. We're seeking things that we don't understand. You might even say we are seeking God. Cultures have done this uh, forever. Cultures have forever sought after God. They have formed rituals to worship God. They have prayed to hear from God. They've built temples to experience God. They have asked questions to understand God. Even thinking of someone like Michelangelo, this artist with this unbelievable creative ability, he used his art to represent God. People for all time have been seeking after some form of God. But it goes even further than that. It's almost like all of our seeking, all of our seeking outside of ourselves is for something transcendent, for something more. Why do we desire increasing success? Why do we work out and work out and work out to try to get like a better Adam-like body, you know, or whatever? Why do we go from movie to movie to movie, from high to high to high? Why do we have to find our soulmate? Is it because 
We need something outside of ourselves. Why do we long for peace? Why do we long to be loved? Why do we long to find value and worth? Is it because we understand that these things cannot be found in here? We have to seek them outside of us. And something that transcends us. St. Augustine, who is an old teacher in the church, he put this perfectly. In the depth of every human heart, there is an innate longing for the divine, a yearning for the presence of God. I'm just going to read that one more time. In the depth of every human heart, all of our hearts, there is this innate longing for the divine, a yearning for the presence of God. Or the Psalms say it this way, O God, you are my God, earnestly I seek you. My soul thirsts for you. My flesh faints for you, as in a dry and weary land where there is no water. We are all seeking God. We are all like Adam, with our hand on our knee, with our finger pointing to the sky, trying to find something that transcends us. Now, if this is true, if what St. Augustine said is true, and this desire is inside of you, it's innate in you, that you're born with it. If it's true that it's just like your hunger, like you're born hungry, you're born thirsty, if that's in you, what that means is you will never get rid of it. You will never get rid of that vacuum in your heart that longs for something more. Just like your hunger can only be satisfied with food and your thirst can only be satisfied for water. This sense of seeking in your life can only be satisfied in God. Now we will try to do it in a million different ways and I've done that. I'm guessing you have as well. Your jobs, families, friends, your the high, the high from this high to this high, maybe another drink, all that stuff. You've tried to find that satisfaction, but guess what? And you know this, I'm going to tell you this. It never meets that need. I'm 42 years old. I've accomplished a few things in my life. Not a lot of stuff, but a few things. None of it's never, ever enough, right? None of it's never enough. I'm just like Adam still, pointing the sky, looking for that next thing, that next transcendent thing that might fill my heart. But the truth is I will never find it because my seeking can only be satisfied in God. So that's the masterpiece, the creation of Adam. My hope is next time you see this painting, or maybe you'll be so lucky to like go to the Vatican City and walk into the Sistine Chapel and be able to look up at it. Wouldn't that be amazing? But the next time you see this painting, you will see the message in it. God reaching out to us. God breathing into us. God making us in his image. God giving us the spark of life. And you'll see Adam reaching out to God. Adam seeking. Adam going for that next thing. Adam looking for that transcendent Thing in his life. But there's something else 
going on in this painting. There's something else that we haven't talked about. As we take a look at this painting, it's pretty obvious that there's this divide between God and man. And what you have is two arms reaching across that divide, Adam's and God's. Do you notice a difference in the arms? So Adam's arm is like resting on his knee, sort of limply dangling out into that space. What's God's arm doing? It's reaching. He's focused. It's outstretched. And his finger is as far as it can be reaching out to God. People and cultures have built temples and formed rituals and done this and that in order to seek God. People have always been seeking God. You have always been seeking God. But your seeking of God does not compare to his seeking of you. Your seeking of God looks like a limp arm in space compared to God's seeking of you. We have built temples in order to seek God, but the one who built the universe seeks us. We have formed rituals in order to seek God, but the one who formed our heart seeks us. We have looked to the sky to seek God, but the one who hung the stars in the sky seeks us. You might seek God, but that pales in comparison to the way he has sought you. The King of kings, the Lord of lords, the foundation of all reality, the creator of the universe. This is crazy, guys. He seeks you. You cannot outseek God. He reaches out to you. He wants to touch you. He wants to connect with you and bring you in. So today, if you're here today and you've walked away from God, maybe you walked away from him this week, maybe you've walked away from him for years, no, he is reaching out to you. Turn around, touch his finger. He's not that far away. Maybe you're here today and you're going through something so incredibly painful. Maybe it's a sickness, maybe a divorce. I don't know what it is, but you never thought you would go through this. And you're probably asking, where are you, God? I'm telling you, he's there. He's reaching out to you. Turn around, touch him. He's not that far away. Maybe you've never considered God. Like you've gone your whole life and God has not ever even been in the equation. But today you know that all you're chasing, all you're running around has left you completely unsatisfied. And you're just looking for more. You're looking for something that might be able to fill that gap in your soul. I'm telling you, he's not that far away. Turn around. Reach out to him. And I know for myself, there, if you think I got this God thing figured out, I couldn't, you couldn't believe more false things about me. Every week, I turn away. Every week, I struggle. 
I go, I have gaps in my life where I'm not connecting with him. But I tell you, it's the most gracious thing in the entire world. When I turn around, he is there. He just is. Every time I I turn around, I listen to a song or I pray to him, I reach out. He meets me in that moment. And I know he'll do the same for you. You might be seeking God, but that does not compare to the way that he seeks you. Let's pray. Father, we are so thankful for this painting, but more this message behind this painting, which is drawn straight from your word, God, that you've put the spark of heaven in us, that you love us, that you pursue us. Oh, God. I just pray that we would all know that in the core of our being that we have infinite worth, that others have infinite worth, that all of our seeking will never find a satisfaction in God and that, God, that you seek us more than we could ever seek you. God, I just know there's someone here that needs to hear that today, that you're seeking them. God, I pray that they would know that in such a specific way. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks so much for tuning in today. If today's message encouraged you or if there's someone who comes to mind that you think might need to hear today's message, take a moment now to share it with them. 